0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse, and that is the Navigator Series. Now they have the women's windrows, they have the men's windrows, and then they have the Atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the, the fit and the feel. And I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out.
1: W Hunting Supply is your go-to source for the best in dog training systems and supplies, as well as equipment for hunting, houndsmen, and women. We've served dedicated dog owners and avid hunters across the nation since 2000. And it's our mission each day to continue offering you exceptional products and outstanding customer service. At W, we're not just suppliers, we own and train our own hounds and we regularly use the products we sell. We're proud of our hard-earned knowledge and we're happy to share it with you because when you shop our WU, you're not just our customer, you're part of our community.
2: And W just launched a really cool app, Steve. You can download it in your app store on either your iPhone or Android, any smartphone. And all kinds of content in there from training tips and tech support. You can schedule uh, actual maintenance for your tracking device right from that app now. Sign up for an account, download that app, and start tracking W anywhere that you have cell phone connection. And you can find all information about W Hunting Supply at www.dusupply.com. This is a Houndsman XP podcast with your host, Steve Fielder, and me, Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. In this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, you're going to be introduced to Lauren Branney from Wisconsin. When we were at Autumn Oaks, uh, I ran into Lauren and started talking to her, and uh, her story is just amazing. Uh, the, the fact that she loaded up a truck and a camper and headed to Autumn Oaks, she was planning on coming by herself. Uh, is just an amazing story in and of itself that she'd be willing, willing to do that. But the most amazing thing is she's only been involved in hound sports for a little over two years. And uh, as you listen to the episode, you're going to get all of that background. But the most impressive thing about Lauren is her ability to meet the public and be personable. And, Steve, we saw a lot of that while we were working that booth because she jumped in, rolled up her sleeves and, and uh, wanted to be a part of our team.
1: That's for sure, Chris. Uh, I met Lauren for the first time at our, at Autumn Oaks this year. Same with me. Never, and, never uh, met her before. Right, and I found her to be, uh, you know, very friendly, uh, outgoing, uh, uh, very excited about the Hound sports. And uh, a person that uh, immediately uh, didn't wait for us to ask her uh, (laughs) to do things around the booth and all we needed, all the help we could get there with the crowds that came by each day. And uh, uh, I know you remarked uh, to me at one point, Chris, about how helpful she was in the booth. She owned it. It was her booth. (laughs) You know, she would talk to people and say, you know,
2: are you listening to our podcast you know just in a way that that the public could relate to her you know you could she didn't act like a guest there she was excited to to give us a hand and uh, she did the same thing for w
1: well i'm sure you know and and uh i think that's what started the wheels turning a little bit with you and me as we discussed uh, our need for someone to uh to really keep us on track moving forward, I was very fortunate uh, over the years that I worked, and I'm sure you were too, Chris, to have people in the office that were really supportive and kept me on track and kept the mission moving forward and kept things organized and schedules Uh, calendars all the kind of things that people don't think about and as this podcast is growing you and i've found that we we need that kind of person we need someone uh that's uh there you know kind of got the hand on the the tiller so to speak and and steering us in the right direction day-to-day because as this thing is growing and it definitely is it's getting busier every day and
2: I guess that's where we step in and we, we just announce it. You know, Lauren Branny is going to come on the Houndsman XP team. Uh, she's going to give us some direction. She's got a big job in front of her. It's going to be like with me and you on board, it's going to be like herding cats uh, trying to keep us pointed downstream and things running. But, but uh, she brings a vibe to the team that is going to be refreshing. And uh, even though she's, you know, she is a, she is a rookie at this sport. But uh, I'm excited about the public watching her grow and uh, mature in the hound sports and become a more experienced and accomplished hounds person
1: and hunter. Well absolutely and one of the things that impressed me about Lauren is the fact that she is a hunter. You know you're going to hear her amazing story of how she got involved in this sport and the degree already at this uh, juncture in the journey for her uh, she's already doing a lot of things you know coon hunting bear hunting uh, getting involved in events and uh, just so many things and she brings uh, a lot of skills to the table uh, that we've been looking for and been needing whether we've uh, really thought that hard about it or not but when uh we met Lauren at Autumn Oaks and saw uh, just that uh, vivacious personality and, and, and that energy and all. It just seemed a perfect fit.
2: Yeah, and she's not afraid to talk about her inex- inexperience, so she's got the right level of humility there. Um, and I don't want to go into a lot of detail. A lot of it's explained in the episode, Steve, but, you know, she fits a, a demographic of our society that we definitely need to be able to capture and recruit to hunting and um, we go into that in depth in this episode but I am a super I am so excited to have Lauren on board with us and uh, she's going to be w- flying that Houndsman XP flag out there at every every chance she gets and and uh, help co-chair some episodes and and
1: just be a part of the team all around. Absolutely. And uh, you can look forward to our listeners can look forward to meeting Lauren at some of the major events in case you didn't meet her at Autumn Oaks. And uh, well, I'm just excited about this episode. Uh, This is one that you and uh, Lauren did live at Autumn Oaks. I haven't heard it yet and I'm ready.
2: (laughs) We'll we'll get it rolled out here, Steve. Again, uh, she'll be you'll be seeing Lauren Branny pop up on our social media platforms and be a contributor there and um, see it see her at our major events and be able to track her adventure and her journey in hound sports i'm super excited
1: well i am too chris welcome lauren
2: yes welcome lauren and we're going to introduce you right now to the houndsman xp podcast listening crowd we appreciate you And we're recording from Autumn Oaks 2019, and we've got Lauren Verani on you the podcast. You got it pronounced right, I yeah. I yeah. I've been practicing. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which state are you from, Lauren?
3: I'm from the good old state of Wisconsin, that's what we like to say. The good old <laughs> state
2: of Wisconsin. Yeah. So, what is a person from Wisconsin called?
3: Um, I like to call myself a Wisconsinite. But it's, it's weird. You know, you never refer to yourself really that way. Oh, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from Milwaukee. Um, but I hear a lot when you're out of state, oh, you're a cheesehead.
2: Cheesehead. Yeah. Like, yeah. they
3: think we all walk around with, you know, the, the Packers foam cheesehead on our heads. And, you know, we all <laughs> like dairy or just, you know, yeah. eat massive amounts of all right. cheese.
2: So. You don't walk around with a foam cheese, block of fake cheese on your head all the time?
3: Not all the time, no. Do you
2: ever put one on?
3: I mean, I've been, yeah. Have you I been mean, to a be- Packers game? No.
2: You have not?
4: You live in? No. On-
3: I know, and I'm only, what, it's like an hour and a half to Green Bay, and I, I haven't been yet. Um, I haven't been asked to go by anybody or really had the opportunity.
2: Have you Have you ever been at a party and somebody had the cheese head? Yes. Did you put it on and oh, get yes. is, are there pictures of you with that on your head?
3: Probably as a kid. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. my brother My brother owns one.
2: Oh, he does? Oh, yeah, yeah. but
3: it's kind of old and crusty now because he got it as a kid. What? So it's it's pretty much vintage by now, so maybe it's worth something.
2: It probably is. It <laughs> probably is. You probably should look for that. Yeah. So since we're on the eBay. subject of cheese, let's talk about cheese curds for a minute.
3: I love me some cheese curds. You do like <laughs> cheese curds. Do you yeah. like just
2: plain cheese curds, or do you like...
3: I I prefer the like dill or ranch flavored ones. Yeah. The like the white cheddar. Mhm. Um you know, sometimes I'll get the mixed white and yellow cheddar. Um, but I like the the flavor. Nice. Yeah. So
2: so what's the key to picking out a good cheese curd?
3: Um nothing mass produced. Okay like huge factory. but like there's something. a bowl of cheese
2: curds sitting here on the table i walk by I grab one i throw it in my mouth what should that cheese curd do
3: well perfect cheese curds gonna squeak it's gonna squeak you know when you have really good green beans and they kind of squeak mm-hmm. in your mouth yep. it should kind of be like that all right but you don't want them sitting on the counter getting all sweaty and warm and cheesy you want them to be when know, does
2: a cheese curd lose its squeak
3: um, I would think when it's not fresh, when it's too warm or it's too cold. Okay. You gotta find that that perfect temperature. So you're you have to always taste test, which means you're always eating the cheese That's curds like, till till that perfect moment. It's kinda
2: like playing with a loaded gun though. I mean you're you're taking the chance on putting a non squeaking cheese curd in your mouth.
3: Yeah, but it's still cheese, so it's not bad. Oh, okay. Right. So if a cheese <laughs> versus a loaded gun. If <laughs>
2: If a cheese curd loses its squeak, is there anything you can do to revive it?
3: I've never had an emergency resuscitation on a cheese curd.
2: I heard you can run them under warm water or something, and it kind of revulcanizes the cheese curd, and they get their squeak.
3: I'm not sure. I guess we're going to have to do some kind of test on that, some quality control.
2: If you go home and you get some non-squeaking cheese curds because I don't have access to them. So if you could go home and do that and then message me on Facebook so we could have a follow-up, that'd be awesome.
3: All right. I'll let you know All right. next time I get some curds. Right. I usually, if I'm at the farmer's market, I'll usually pick pick a bag up. Okay. So. Sweet. Yeah.
2: Sweet. But you know. we're not here to talk about cheese curds. We're here at Autumn Oaks, like the most major coonhound event in the United States. And I don't even think you have to have a coonhound. I've talked to squirrel hunters today. I've talked to bear hunters today there's Uh, her
3: guys here there's some beagle
4: guys yeah yep
2: i mean if it has to do with the hound this is a place to be for sure and so the reason you're sitting here is because you were completely ready and prepared to pull your 1978 what's the name of that camper you got
3: uh it's a free spirit cub made by holiday rambler okay just got it a month maybe a month ago
2: and you were going to load that thing up and come down here by yourself to attend Autumn Oaks.
3: Yes, and keep in mind, I've really never pulled the trailer before, and I was, you know, you got to go through Chicago and all that, and I'm just like, let's do it, you're, let's go, I'm ready, you're going. like, yeah.
2: So, obviously, you, you're you're a, uh, a hunter yourself, and yes, uh, what types of things do you
4: hunt?
3: Well, um, so. Yes, I'm a hunter, but the funny thing is, no one in my family has really ever hunted. Right. I am a first generation hunter. Um, so prior to me getting into this coonhound life, I had never killed anything. So the only thing actually, I've never even you know never hit a dog on the street. The only thing I've killed is bugs with with the the car. Right. Um, <laughs> so right now, the only thing I've ever hunted is raccoon. Yeah. Um, I did. I. This year, I've purchased everything.
4: You were in bear yeah. camp. Oh yeah. You've well, never you killed, killed anything. Killed. Never yeah. killed. Okay, yeah. I gotcha.
3: So last year was my first year going up to bear camp. Yeah. So yes, I've I've hunted bear um, and hunted raccoon. Uh huh. Um, but I'm excited to 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 try other things too. But hound hound hunting is is what got me. It's what got me. Will always have it's me. It's yeah.
4: where it's at.
2: So, yeah. I mean, you're you're. Without violating any social etiquettes here. Of asking how old you are, uh, is there a certain cutoff age where you're not allowed to ask a lady how old she is?
3: It probably depends on the person. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm I'm fine in saying that. Um, well, gotta think about it. Okay, Thir- I'm 32. Okay, you're <laughs> pretty sure. Yep, yep. 32.
2: <laughs> All right. And how long have you been involved in? in how long have you been hunting?
3: Um. The the first experience I had in a coonhound situation was two years ago on May thirty first. Okay. So I'm I'm fresh. So off you the even boat. remember
2: the date? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is intriguing to me because all kinds of statistics in my career and everything, everybody says you know you've got to impact these these kids by the time they're thirteen. If you can't capture them by the time they're thirteen. Uh, the chances of them ever becoming involved in hunting drastically is reduced. And the reason I'm talking to you is, one, I love your free spirit of well, I've got a driver's license and I've got a truck and I just bought a camper, so I'm going, on auto- going to Autumn Oaks. That is cool. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're willing to jump out there. But the, the thing that makes you an interesting story to me is uh, you come from a non-hunting background. And you've decided two years ago that you're going to become a hunter, and mm-hmm. you're way, you're you're past the age of the, the where we think that that uh, there's no hope left for people to become involved in hunting. Sure. So that's all cool stuff. So give me your background story. Tell me what. Tell me how you got involved.
3: Um, sure. So like I said, I come from a non-hunting family. I grew up in Brookfield, which is. 20 minutes outside the city of Milwaukee, 20 minutes west. And big time city life, you know, mm-hmm. didn't, I always loved nature my whole life. Big nature girl, that was like my nickname in school was, oh, that's nature girl. I'd, you know, bring all bird nests and all this stuff to show and tell. Yeah. So I never had a problem with getting out in the woods. Um, but what got me started is I bought my first house in Milwaukee and I I wanted a dog. Um, as for a companion and you know just to feel safe as a single woman mm-hmm. you know in a house so I had gone around to humane societies and everything looking for a dog for about a year it took me a year and finally this one dog spoke to me I I went in I think it was a Tuesday I had seen her online you know you always scope the dogs out online and um, I, I, I probably went after work that day and um, and saw this dog. Her name was Maggie, and she's in the kennel, and she's laying on her back, you know, just face tilted back, ears flopping, and that was it. You know, when you see a hound, you know which one it's going to be, yeah. at least for me. You did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went and met her, and um, you know, she, she kind of didn't really care about me. We were in the big room. She's, you know, walking around, sniffing, and um, turns out there was another lady that was interested in her right. for her daughter with special needs.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Maggie was probably around nine months old at the time. Yeah. I'm guessing. Um, she was a stray, so no story with her, whatever, but, um, she, uh, most likely is full-blooded blue tick.
4: Mm-hmm. That's
3: what everybody thinks. Um, and so this lady really wanted her and she actually had first dibs cause she had gotten there before me. Well, I struck up a conversation with her, and you know, told her about my background and all the dogs that we had growing up. We had hound mixes. We had a beagle mix dog. My parents have a or had a big dog named Greta, who's a maybe a blue tick gas Gascon. Get what do you how do you know how to say that? I don't that? know.
2: We need to find somebody Gascon.
3: Gascon. Yeah,
2: you got all. Yeah, got to talk through yeah. your nose that in that French, last part.
3: that French flair, right? Um, and. I, hounds just really, really sat with me for some reason, you know, they plead with you in their face.
2: So you're, you're standing in a pound, you see a looking for a dog Mm -hmm. and here's a blue tick in front of you. Mm -hmm. And there's some other lady there that wants the dog.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: So I talk her out of it, you know, telling her, Oh, you know, they're stubborn. They take a lot of training (laughs) and you know, it's a big dog and all this other stuff, you know, you might want to, you know, find a, a smaller dog. So sure enough, She's like, you know, you you should really have her. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Next day I go to... I fill out all the paperwork, you know, and then I have to get to pick her up the next day. Um, pretty sure I called in sick from work that day. So So I could spend the whole day with her. I got
2: yeah. you. Yeah.
3: Um, so I picked her up. I'm pretty sure it was February 4th of 2015, something like that. She's six years old now. Yeah. Um, And it was It was love at first sight, and I had no intention of hunting or anything
2: so tell us how how you come home with this blue tick hound now you've got it mm-hmm. How did the hunting park come into this thing? There's plenty of people that have that have hounds that mm-hmm. that don't hunt or they got them from rescue. but how did it come about for you
3: so uh the dog park so there's this dog park in Milwaukee that's uh, like half nice grass area and then half woods and it's it's nice and i i bring her there and it was i i think it was springtime at that point because there wasn't snow on the ground i have a picture of her yeah um that day and we're walking around and all of a sudden she's you know up on a tree she's she's not treeing right. per say but she's up on a tree and she's like kind of whining like and I'm not <laughs>
2: editing that out. I, no way. Go um, ahead.
3: So you can tell she's excited about something, yeah. and she's kind of, like, looking up there, and her head's tilted, and I'm like, Maggie. And she looks at me, and she's looking up, and there's a squirrel up there. Okay. And I just got excited, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. So, you know, that was in my mind for a while, and then I got on YouTube. Obviously, Coonhound. Right. You know, it's it's made to hunt raccoon you know Um, they
2: download 400 hours of video per minute on youtube now
3: 400 hours a minute is that crazy yeah
2: so i mean if you if you need to know it it's on probably on youtube
3: yeah i mean i've done a lot of stuff because i found it on youtube like being able to fix certain things on my car um the whole camper situation i knew nothing about campers learned a, a lot that way and but you learn, anyway, learned how
2: to, you're learning how to train a coon now
3: yeah yeah that's how it started so I, I got down this rabbit hole one night um, looking at coon count stuff on YouTube and I don't know how late I stayed up but it, you know video after video after video you know I saw blue tick days treeing contests, the swim race um, videos of guys just going out in the woods pleasure hunting and I thought to myself like this is, this is really cool and I, I think Maggie can do this. And then I'm like, where do I start? Like, who do I, what do I Google? Who do I talk to? Right. Um, and then I ended up on Google searching around, like Coonhound, Wisconsin, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my local hunt club came up, which was the um, Jefferson Hebron Coon Hunters and Fox Hunters Club. Yep. Um, and I messaged them on Facebook, and it took them about a year to reply to me. Um, not, they weren't uh, too strong in their Facebook game back then. Mm-hmm. Now they are. And, you know, they asked, you know, where are you from? What do you've got? You know, what's your story? So I kind of gave them the background. And, you know, when you say you're from Milwaukee, people are like, oh, what? Like, who is this girl? Like, you don't know what kind of person that's going to be. Right. Um, but they invited me. They're like, yeah, hey, come out, come out to this event. And it was the Wisconsin State Hunt. Um, May 31st two years ago and that's uh,
2: did you that's, go there with the intention of hunting in the in the state hunt
3: no okay no not at all I, I just went there to see what it's all about like I don't I didn't even know about these coonhounds events I just wanted to just check it out yeah and um,
2: since then you made Maggie a night champion yes so you yes. got her X bred you use the UKC's X bread program correct and made her a night champion Mm -hmm. and then uh is she still being hunted or what's what's maggie's status now
3: maggie's status now is living that lake life retired life she's at my parents house they live on a little lake and she is free as a bee out there she just gets to run around she fishes all day that's her thing okay um and my mom is now trapping carp in muskrat traps and that dog is just as obsessed with the carp as she is with raccoons. No kidding. It is hilarious. I'd like to and see a video of that. I've probably got one. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at it. I'm like, Mom, look what you got yourself into. Right. Um, but, yeah, that first day that I went there, I, I, I pull up in my mom's pickup truck. I uh, switched cars with her because at the time I was driving a VW Jetta. A nice black new right. VW Jetta. Uh-huh. I figured, well, this might not be a good idea to show up. <laughs> so I get, I you know, take the dog in the pickup truck, and I pull up and I park and get the dog out. And the truck next to me, there's three guys talking, and I just go up and say, "Hi, I'm Lauren. Nice. And I, this is my this is my dog," and you know, kind of told them my story and you know probably caught him off guard a little bit
2: well just from the time I've spent with you the last day or so here around the booth and stuff you know I it doesn't surprise me that you're you know an extroverted person that's not afraid to walk up and say hi my name is Lauren
3: (laughs) yeah I mean it definitely takes it's not sometimes it's natural to me and sometimes it's not I, I can be a shy person believe it or not yeah but um so I walk up to these guys and start talking, and then Eric's like, well, there's this swim race going on. So we walk over and watch the swim race, and he's telling me how it happens, you know, the dogs in the box, sure. what the goal is, and where people get, dis- dogs get disqualified for what. We're standing there, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a blue dog walking towards the start of the swim race, and I'm thinking, that's a, that's a nice looking dog, and he kind of bumps me on the shoulder, and says, that's your dog. Oh my gosh, and this guy, Max Gibson, who's my, you know, now he's a great friend, a great mentor, He uh, he's the one that, that got me my Piper Dog now. Okay. Um, he's He stole Maggie. He stole Maggie and took her to the starting line and just put her in the, it wasn't, she, she couldn't go in the race because she wasn't registered yet, uh-huh. but it was like a practice run. Right. And uh, she went. And she did great, and she loved that coon or hated that coon, whatever you want to call it.
2: She was extremely interested. Oh, yeah. And enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. yeah I
3: got and it. I remember her swimming, and then she'd go to that big oak tree where that cage ends up, and people just stood there, and you got yourself a tree dog. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that means, but okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Two years ago is how that started. And since then, you've competed multiple times. You're competing here at AutoMoaks tomorrow night, is that? Or is it tonight?
4: Nope, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. So yep. you're
2: hunting Saturday night. Correct. And so there's been a long journey there. Tell me a, a little bit about you know, you've got the interest and you've got some basic information, but did you have any mentors along the way yeah. that, that helped you out?
3: Definitely. So. The first one I had, and and it's the Eric guy that I mentioned before, you know, he said, well, you know, here's my number. Call me if you ever want to go hunting. Mm -hmm. He told me later that he thought I'd never call him. And sure enough, maybe a week later or something like that, I text him or call him, and we started hunting quite a bit. He lived, at the time, I was actually between houses. So I was living at my parents' house a little bit, and um, we would... um, go hunting out in Fort Atkinson maybe every weekend or something like that. And I remember the first night he, uh, before I came over, he texted me a website and he said, you know, you're going to need to know these words I'm going to be using these words a lot. You probably don't know what any of this means so, you know, here's the definitions, get familiar Um, you know, it was like strike, locate, tree, um trash, you know, all, all the slang that we have right now. So I, I looked at that, I'm like, you know, kind of bright-eyed, like, okay, alright, uh, I hope I can remember this and get this right. Right. And then when we, you know, I pull up and we load the dogs in the truck and we go out and he goes, I, I just want to let you know, every time you turn your dog loose, you're taking a chance. You never know what could happen, you know. These things can happen and are you still willing to do this? Yes, let's go. So That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. And so
2: so that's kind of interesting because you got this dog for a companion, a pet, but what motivated you to go ahead and go through with it and say, absolutely? Because you, ho- you, were, you weren't hooked on honey. I wasn't on I honey. Weren't hooked on the time, no.
3: Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool, but I think it was seeing Maggie's drive and how interested she was and how happy that made her, uh-huh. that you you want to fulfill that in your dog. Right. Um, and I wanted to see what she could do, right. you know, and that's, I guess that's what really tugged on me at the time before I even started seeing my dog, Tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, first night we went out, Maggie just stayed on the, the tree line of the field. She didn't go into the woods. Um And was it the first night? Yeah. So she stayed on the tree line about 70 yards away from us. Okay. And then his dog, Girl Treed, just probably 50 yards in from Mm. that tree line, and she went in and started treeing an honored girl. And you know, he's like, pet her up, pet her up. You know, like this is great. Like, you know, he's saying, good girl. And I'm got my phone out. Like, (laughs) do you know how? Do you
2: know? No, or um, tongue tied here. Do you know how unusual that is for a dog that has that little bit of a, that limited amount of exposure just to naturally kick in and start treating like that?
3: I I don't. I mean, now I know it some for some dogs it takes. Yeah, a lot now of that work. you've been in it for two years. Yeah. And and to be honest, we don't know what Maggie's life was before that. Maybe she was started a little she bit. She may have,
2: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah.
3: So I mean, there could have been a little of that in her, but you know, there are dogs out that are that are natural. Sure. So it was exciting to see that, and then we'd keep going out, and she'd finally leave me. Yeah. Because I had trained her to stay by. Sure. Me, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a quite a difference in what she'd been used to, and even what the training was with you. That's probably why she stayed out on the, you know, on the fringes there the first mm-hmm. night. Yeah. That you hunted her, so. Yeah. So. Tell me about uh, tell me about your competition hunting and and your experiences in competition coon hunting.
3: So it took me a little bit to get start the competition stuff because I had to get Maggie's papers in. So I couldn't really do the whole competition thing until I got her papers in. But before that, I was I uh, Max invited me to go spectator cast up in uh, Plymouth, Wisconsin. Okay. So, my first experience with a competition coon hunt was that night, and I had no gear at the time. I had no headlamp. I had, you know, normal clothes. I didn't have any pants and I didn't have any, you know, fancy boots. Right. I'm, I'm in there in just like hiking shoes and a raincoat and this tiny little, not even a kid's light, you right.
2: know? Like a Pexel from Walmart or something. Probably,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, just something spare that Max had. And um, we drew out, and it was me and four other guys. And it was actually probably one of the most fun times I've had hunting still. Really? Just the camaraderie and, like, the, the banter that we all had together. Yeah. Um, it, it was fun. And I didn't have a dog involved, so it's not like I was nervous mm. or, you know, anything.
2: So tell me about the first time that you actually put your dog in a hunt. What, what kind um, of emotions did you go through? You know, just give us some background on that. That's, I think that'll be an interesting story because there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that uh, we've got a lot of competition hunters that mm-hmm. listen to it, but we've also got a lot of people that, that have never participated in competition coon hunting, uh, either because of where they live or whatever. So just give us some background on that.
3: Sure. Um, So the first time, I'm, you know, honestly, I do have a really bad memory. It's just one of those bad qualities I have. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that my first time, I can remember the picture I took, um, was out of, was it out of Hebron or Milton? Um, Probably Hebron. And uh, we drew out, and it was myself, Eric, that original mentor and uh, Mike Skase. Eric hunts a blue dog, Skase hunts a walker dog. Mm -hmm. So it was three dog cast, and we go out to these woods that I had hunted previously with Eric. And we draw out, and Maggie does what she's supposed to do, she goes, and um, I just remember being so nervous about what to call and when to call it. right? Because I've got these two guys who have been hunting forever, Mm -hmm. and they know their dogs. And I had only been hunting Maggie a month, I think, because I think this first hunt was like July, around July. Okay. Um, and w- what I vividly remember is we treed on a pine tree, and I think we had to circle it, but then we recut, and Maggie kept going back to this pine tree. <laughs> and I remember getting so frustrated, you yeah. know? And I, I still have the problem that. I have high expectations for my dog, and you know, people are like give it time and all this other stuff. And you know, if they go back, blah blah blah. And, okay, oh, I'm trudging back to go get her and cut her again or whatever. And I just I remember being frustrated at that point, but um, we uh, we continued going, and Maggie actually didn't look that bad, and I I ended up being very happy at the end, and she actually came out with plus points. Well, good. And, so uh,
2: what kind of expectation did you have going in?
3: Well, I didn't think I was going to win because, you know, Eric's dog was really good. I didn't know about Mike Scase's dog. Um, and I knew that this uh, this hunt, if, if girl won it, she was going to be night champ right. too. So it was cool to see my friend night champ their dog sure. in a hunt. But I had the expectation, like that I didn't want to look dumb.
2: You didn't want to look dumb?
3: Yeah. I didn't want to look dumb. I mean, everybody knew I was new, but I didn't want to just make a stupid call or make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I asked a lot of questions. Like, okay, do I have to strike her now? Like, I think I think she she barked two times, or is it three times? You know, so I'm still trying to go through all the rules, and I really didn't know the rules at, at that time. Okay. Um. So it's just, am, am I saying the right thing? Am I calling the right? Okay, you know, sounds like she stopped barking. Do I need to say something?
2: So, what was the attitude of the other hunters in the cast while you're asking these questions? And was it like a deal that it was?
3: They held my hand. They were they were very nice. That's commendable. Yeah.
2: It really is. Um, very easily it could have been. Hey, if you're going to come and, and pay your entry in this hunt, then you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, if you're not prepared, then you need to go back to the truck and come back when you are. I mean, yeah. that's all totally within. Um, and that's okay. Yeah, but to think that that you know the hunters on the cast recognized that we're going to do the right thing here and. Assist this new person to keep them in the sport. That's Mm -hmm. what this podcast is all about.
3: And maybe it's because they knew they, my dog was not competition for them too.
2: It could have been. It could have been.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, you almost need to have some. We used to do this back in the day. You would have buddy hunts. You'd have grade hunts. You'd have, you'd have a lot of those types of hunts where not everybody was so wound up about the rules. Where, uh, you know, we were. We just weren't so uptight about it. You know, it was an opportunity to take people out and assist them and and do things like that. So it's good to hear that even in the current day that that people are willing to do that. Okay, so here is the million dollar question. And maybe we'll go down a rabbit path here. Do you think they would have done that if you hadn't been a woman? No. You don't think they would have done that if it was another man?
3: I think it's kind of an interesting situation because I knew Eric and I had been hunting with Eric. Okay. So maybe if they didn't know me and they didn't know my background, you know, that I was new and that I had this dog from the pound and all this other stuff, um, maybe I maybe I was just some person from Iowa coming in to hunt. Right. You know, I could have been just like me today. Sure. Um, I, I'm i not sure they would have treated me the same way and, and same way if I was a male. Yeah, um, that's a tough question. It puts yeah. you on the
2: spot, but
3: it's, and you never know how people are going to act either. But I've been on hunts now where it's it can get gritty, you know. In what way? Um, everybody's you know everybody's out for themselves. Um, and
2: do you think that's wrong? Do you think that's wrong that they're all out for themselves? I um, mean, we're looking at a competition tonight. You know, this is autumn oaks, so we got people this, I mean, competing this, for national grand.
3: This is the big gig. Yeah. So, I get that here. You know, I think it's different mm-hmm. when you're in a little hunt, um, and everybody's personality is different. You know, I remember I was I was in a hunt um, in Trimont, Minnesota, and this guy fell down the creek creek uh, bed or creek um, bank bank mm-hmm. yeah. And I was the only one to go help him out of it. So, if you, you know, is it a wrong thing? Of course, everybody's out for themselves. They want their dogs to win, but there's there's still some like compassion and understanding. Well, I think too. I think
2: you know, that definitely, if somebody is possibly injured, everybody in that cast should be disqualified at that point if they're willing to to turn their back on somebody that's injured for the sake of. You know, you can call time out, you know, and if I was judging that cast, which obviously a cast is supposed to stay together. Mm-hmm. So if you're leaving a person behind that's possibly injured, those other people are the ones that are scratched because they walked off and left, yeah. you know, in my opinion, I'm sure that Coonhound Advisor has something on that, but I, I haven't read
4: it lately. So I've I never
3: heard anything on it, but again, you know, I am still fresh to all of this. Yeah. But I'm, I remember him thanking me, not just verbally like that day, but he messaged me later.
2: Well, back to the original question, do you think it's wrong? Because yeah. I think a lot of times people, you know, you see a lot on social media in different places where people are like, you know, I don't competition hunt because I got cheated or I I don't don't competition hunt because people, they expect it to be this big kumbaya session out there on a cast. Mm -hmm. And you've got people that paid 20, 30, you know, up to thousands of dollars on this cast, you know, to be involved in this hunt. And a lot of times, like when I was competition hunting, I tried to come prepared and I expected other people to be prepared because it is a competition, you know, and, and some of these, some of these hunts, you're running for state race, breed race, you know, your own, your own championship degrees and stuff like that. So I want to get your perspective on that. I think you can still be a decent human being and you can handle things in the right way without just being... Uh, totally unsportsmanlike.
3: I agree. It's it's the way you handle and manage mm-hmm. things. And I've, I've seen that go kind of wrong on a cast. Um, you know, where grown men act like babies. Right. And it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, especially if you've got a spectator with you. Right. Um, so, I mean, there, there's yeah, you, if you're out there for something big, you know, go for it but you've got to compose yourself too
4: yeah
2: the rules are set up you know,
3: be a gentleman
2: the rules are set up there's no reason i mean have i been upset on, and angry on cast before absolutely been been upset but if you know the rules there are rules in place to to if you've got a problem with the call that was made you ask for a cast vote If the vote goes against you, you put a question mark on it and you take it back. Mm -hmm. There are rules, and I used to tell people. It seemed like I used to get the card everywhere I went. You know, I could pull in. I've I've judged a lot of big hunts. I've judged here. I've judged winter. Drove all the way to Winter Classic. I walk in and they're like, Oh, Chris, glad you're here. Here's a card. (laughs) Like, great. I don't. You know, I'm carrying the card again tonight. But I used to tell everybody all the time. Guys, here's the deal. Nobody is going to throw a fit in the woods because if, if you're wanting to argue, then you're interfering with everybody else. So there are rules on this card. This is the way we're going to do it. If you have a question, it will go to a vote. If, if we can't resolve it there, you can ask a question. We'll put a question on if it needs to go back to Master rounds we'll go back.
3: And I think that's great for a judge to do You've got to, just to lay down the line right away. Right. This is how it's going to go.
2: But we're not going to stand out there and argue and interfere with everybody else in this cast. We all paid our money. We all want to win, but there's a way to do it. I think yeah. that's just the way you got to handle it.
3: And for me, you know, I'm starting to get a good caliber dog now, but at the time, I – you know, the only thing I could do is title Maggie. I can't breed her, you know, there's Mm -hmm. there's not a legacy there really. Right. So and I was out there to learn to have fun. And I'm still right now, I'm kind of just out there to have fun and and still figure it out. Sure. So I think I'm I'm a little bit different mindset than a lot of people too at this point. So
2: Yeah. Well one of the things that we touched on earlier, I asked you if if you thought you would have been treated differently had you not been a woman. So, obviously, you told me that Savannah Brooks, Savannah, drew a cast last night with three women in it, right? Yep.
3: That's.
2: I don't. I've never been on a cast with three other women, so I don't know that I've ever. Neither have I. I've never seen that. Uh, I think that's extremely good news because, um, you know. Our women need to be involved here. There's a lot of statistics I could bore everybody with and nerd out about over, you know, hunting, hunting statistics and why hunting's in a decline and all this other stuff. But we were talking about women. So, so tell me some of the challenges you faced in hunting as a woman.
3: Um, well, first of all, one, one sticks out is as, as the physical challenge. Um, for me, I'm very slow in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm clumsy in the woods. And um, you know, a cast is supposed to go wait
2: until you get older and you're you don't pick hey,
3: I've already got hip and knee problems, so we've started there.
2: I'll tell you what, the last few years I don't move through the woods like I used to either. Uh, I was pretty fleet of foot in my in my day, but as I get older I joke around and tell people that oh, my toes have gotten longer i trip over all <laughs> kinds of stuff in the
3: woods. or maybe you're just wearing clunkier boots uh, or something. i don't think
2: so <laughs> same boots i always
1: wore
3: <laughs> yeah so um so you got the
2: physical challenge
3: physical challenge yeah and and i don't get out hunting as as much as other people either because i live in milwaukee i've got to drive 40 minutes uh-huh. to hunt um so i'm out once twice a week maybe um and i always have to remind the cast or um you know, tell them, like, hey, slow down. Can, can we wait? Um, and I'm usually behind, and I remember one time uh, we were walking into a tree, and they weren't waiting for me at all. Mm-hmm. They they were going in, and I, I think I said, wait, and they didn't hear me, and we walked in, and it was their tree. So my dog was elsewhere, yeah. um, and it was their three dogs on a tree. And I remember kind of feeling a little jilted because I didn't get to see the situation right away right um, and it was a situation where there were kits and kits were killed and kits were on the ground yeah and they said oh well no one was one was right here in the tree you know uh-huh. and it took it out when we when we got there and I'm like well if you kill a coon on the ground you don't get tree points right so and but they were there they saw it they all voted of course for their dogs right. to get the plus points sure. And you know, that's something where I wish I would have been there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so there's that physical challenge. Um, you know, there's, let's see, you know, I feel too like, okay, maybe we can walk all over this girl. Like we know, we know, and, and maybe that's just me and not because I'm a woman, mm-hmm. because I don't know all the rules yet. I'm not, I haven't been doing this my whole life. Right that I don't I don't know how to cheat yet. I don't know the <laughs> tricks of the game. You know, it's kind of like when I was learning Spanish, you wanted to know the bad words. Oh, okay. But that's kind of yeah. how it went. Like in school you'd ask your teacher or somebody like, oh, well, how do you say this?
4: Right.
2: So, but, let's think about this too. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. So, you know, there's plenty of women that are competing in competition coon hunting now. I've drawn a few that were extremely good handlers, better handlers than I am. Well, um,
3: Savannah for instance.
2: So, is it a deal where maybe you're not displaying confidence, the confidence? Do you think they're taking you think people are taking advantage of that or
3: Yeah. Because I mean, Savannah definitely displays confidence and she won't she won't take crap from nobody. Right? Type of situation and I I think it's a confidence thing for me definitely and that's something I've got to work on. Um, I've definitely called BS before, right. though too, mm-hmm. when I when I knew something was off. And sure, um, but I, you know, you've. I feel like sometimes I just get looked at differently. Just okay, well, this is this is. I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to describe it. Um,
2: well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I mean, obviously. Back, back when I started hunting, there were a few women that would be around the clubhouse and things like that. But it wasn't commonplace for the women to be handling their own dog and hunt. There were a couple around, but mm-hmm. but it was really, I mean, you knew who they were. And now you come to Autumn Oaks, I would be interested to know how many women handlers are going to be handling dogs in the night hunt now. Yeah, versus um,
3: the show. There's a lot of women. Yeah, I mean, doing people, the show.
2: Absolutely, that people men and women would come to the night hunts, and the women would show, and the, the men would hunt at night. And times are changing on that. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, first of all, I'd love to see the statistics. They've got a, a slideshow going at, at the booth when you first go into the the rapers. I haven't
2: even had time to get away from this booth hardly. <laughs>
3: That place is a little bit air-conditioned, so we wouldn't be sweating as much as we are right now. It's
2: actually pretty nice now. It's getting... It's getting.
3: Yeah, I'm not glistening as much <laughs> as I was before when I first right. walked in here. Um, but they've got a statistics about uh, how many entries for each state. Um, uh, what is it? I took pictures of it. Um, entries for each state. Um, uh, let's see... Entry breakdown for breed. Right. Um, Yeah, I guess I took two pictures of the same thing. So, yeah. But that was interesting. But it'd be good to see, you know, I think there are more women getting involved, like Mm -hmm. you said. Um, And I think that's great. And that means that, you know, I I guess we're feeling more comfortable being in this situation. Um, But I, I think we still have some struggles and some hurdles.
2: Yeah. Such as what?
3: Um, just being recognized as being equal. You know, we're, we're treating our dogs just like you're treating your dog. Mm-hmm. And don't don't think that we're any less, you know, as good of a handler or something. Um, yeah,
2: you know, we're not talking about an arm wrestling competition, right? Right, right. You know, we're yeah. talking about being able to call a coonhound, tree your dog, yeah. handle your this dog. Is
3: knowing your dog. Right and, and calling your dog.
2: Right. You know, my daughter hunted with me for a number of years. I never could get her to competition hunt. She just had no interest in it. She would go with me on casts and things like that. But, um, I mean, she was the type of girl that, that uh, she was my middle daughter. And she's like, she's very confident in herself. And I'm not going to say she's stubborn like her mom, but she's stubborn like her mom. And... <laughs> So, very confident, knows what she wants to do, but but Cora was the type that if that truck was parked in the driveway and she knew I was going hunting, she was going to be in it. And even if I told her, and I'm not saying she was being disobedient, she wasn't. Well, I guess if you get right down to brass tacks, she was. So, I'd say, hey, I don't think you should go hunting tonight. And I'd go get busy doing something. She'd be sitting in the truck seat, you know, waiting to go. Mm -hmm. And I thought I thought I told you you weren't going. Or I said I thought you, I told you you shouldn't go. That's what I would say. I thought I told you you shouldn't go, and she goes, "I oh, know, I'll be fine." In a way, we would go, yeah. you know. And she was a great hunting companion. She bear hunted with me. She did all kinds of things with me, and uh, so I really do respect, you know, women that, that want to be involved in the sport. And she had she just had a. It's like when we'd be at plot days or any breed days, you know. She just brought. Some sunshine into the world. I mean, yeah. she really did, uh, and it was just fun. You know, it's just we've fun. We've got a
3: different energy. Yeah. Um. And I, I think it's, it's more that people just can't believe. You know, that really, like you're here. You're, you're hunting. You're, you're hunting that dog. Like, you came here by yourself. Yeah. There's, you're, you're camping by yourself. From
2: ten hours away, 13, yes. how long did it take? Thirteen hours.
3: No, God, no. How oh. No, uh, probably seven. Seven? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. So I, I, we didn't really keep track. I mean, the but GPS who keeps out. track?
2: I mean, after you have pulled a camper three hours away from home by yourself.
3: Well, we were listening to the Houndsman XP podcast on the way down. Oh, so, so it you just know, seemed, time flies. It went like nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, but it's like I think people are kind of dumbfounded. Yeah that that there's this girl here yeah or there's this pair of girls you know sure. running around town pretty cool dogs. stuff
2: pretty cool stuff what other kind of challenges what other things have you faced um, not just being a female but i mean just as a hound you know developing your hounds, houndsman skills whatever
3: um definitely well funny story like when i started this whole thing with my family Uh, and how they felt about it or uh, stuff like that. So we're
2: talking, you know, mid to late 20s, and all of a sudden Lauren decides she's going to be a coon hunter.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. you got to talk about that.
3: Yeah. So, you know, grew up in the suburbs. Um, About eight or nine years ago, though, my my parents bought the place in the lake and moved out of Brookfield. And it's more country out there. It's more like-minded people. um, And that's kind of where i started to like really just feel more right about things Mm -hmm. like this is where i was supposed to be this is you know these are my kind of people um of course i had bought a house in milwaukee and was still living in milwaukee so whoops Um, eventually i'll get out you gotta pay the
2: bills right yeah there you go
3: exactly um but uh so yeah okay you know lauren's gonna be a coon hunter what what do you do you, you hunt raccoon do you do you shoot them what do you do with them like all these questions and uh, i talk about a lot of that actually in an article i wrote in the bboa blue book the 2017 blue book
2: I'll have to, um
3: kind of pretty much it, it i it's at the i will uh,
2: have to get my copy out and read that yeah
3: it's at the booth here too and i i sneaked a pen in the middle of the book where my article okay. starts just you know people turn yeah, a
2: little self-promotion yeah gotcha <laughs>
3: But yeah, they're, they're, they've got all these questions about why would I do this and what do you do and and I remember clearly that my mom said, Lauren, like, why why couldn't you choose something more socially acceptable? You know, like <laughs> pheasant hunting, because their neighbor does pheasant hunting with, oh, with the lab. Oh, absolutely, and
2: it's so much Which, more sophisticated, <laughs> and nobody chews tobacco while they pheasant hunt, and yeah,
3: right. I, I think it's just because it's it's. A higher visibility sport, sure. Sure. Um, but I'm like thinking stuff. I've got a coon dog. Like, yeah, you know, I can't hunt pheasants with Maggie. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. On. And you know, I'm already spending the money doing this. Like, that's equally as expensive. So,
2: right. You know. Oh, yeah. You know, but a shotgun costs. Some of those shotguns are in the thousand dollar ranges. So.
3: <laughs> that'll be later in life for me i guess yeah there you go um i i do uh, my my dad has these guns and i actually have have shot his shotguns more than he has yeah so i'm i'm lucky in that regard it's one of them sitting in my house right now yeah he hasn't asked for it back so benelli
2: so family's just like what are you thinking or are they they like
3: I think they were really weirded out at first. Like, oh, man, Lauren's going down weird track. (laughs) Like, we don't know what's happening with her. Get her on some meds. Yeah. Like, I think they were kind of worried. Like, oh, no. Like, she's going to go a little too redneck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But now, um, you know, I especially have heard it from my grandparents you know, we're so happy you found something you really like. And, yeah. you know, it sounds like these people are really great people. And, you know, you get to see, you know, parts of the country and do all this stuff. And I think they're just really happy that I I really found something that I love.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, you can – I've traveled all over the United States. I've got people I know from all over the United States. I mean, if I took off on a trip right now, I could travel all the way to the West Coast and, and – never pay for a hotel you know i'll get there one day hopefully you know and and just because i've made friends all the way along the way i might have a little bit it's kind of a long stretch from missouri up to Dillon, montana but i could make it in one day uh (laughs) but that's what the hound sports and not to say that if you rode mountain bikes or you did something else you couldn't develop those same relationships but i mean this this event here this weekend has got people from all over the country here you know we've got people from the state of washington here mm-hmm. at this event in texas and in florida all over and they're yeah. all converging on this one place for an event it's a great place it's uh, it's where the event where history is made whether that history is you know the national grand night or you know, friendships, relationships that you build while you're here. There's a lot of history about Walmart. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So have you got any closing thoughts?
4: Um,
3: I, I don't I don't know. Um I, I'm really excited to be here and I'm I'm excited to get involved, you know, in hound hunting, in you know, competition coon hunting, bear hunting. Um it's it's all been so fun. It's been a wild ride. You
2: just want to take it all in, don't you? Yeah. You want to try it all. Yeah. You want lion hunt. Oh, I do. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. We might be able to make that happen.
3: Uh, I'll, I'll follow a dog, whether yeah. it's on hog or lion or whatever. There you go. I, I like to see a dog work. Um, and it's it's great to meet, you know, the people that like the same things that you do. Yeah.
2: And that's yeah. what this podcast is all about. We don't care if you, we don't care what you're hunting with your hounds, and but it's that common thread of of the hounds and being involved in the hounds and and all of us taking this journey together to develop our hound, houndsman skills to try to do right by the dog by the by the game we're pursuing and for the sport as a whole to keep it alive and protect it and preserve it and uh, promote it for future generations. That's our tagline,
3: and that's what I'm trying to do. You know, even as someone so new, yeah. is is trying to promote this well, sport. And
2: that's why and, I want to sit down with you because you give a very good, positive message, and you're, it's encouraging for other people. I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a common thing. It's you're an anomaly. You you came into this thing, you know, mid to late twenties, and you just said. I'm doing it. I'm going mm-hmm. for it. And yeah. and you're having the time of your life, and you're being successful with it. You're making you. night champions. and Yeah. yeah. We'll,
3: we'll see what happens with my Piper dog. I, people are saying good things. Yeah. You know, but uh, I've, I heard from Robbie Brooks. He said, I, I think you've got the Savannah Complex. You want a five-year-old dog and a one-and-a-half-year-old dog's body. <laughs> so, yeah, we went out the other night, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. He's like, do no. No she did good (laughs) yeah
2: i've learned to become a lot more patient over the years but i wasn't always i wasn't always that way with my hounds that's for sure
3: it's definitely you know this is the first hound i started and i you know i had a little help along the way but i i pretty much did it all right on my own um so it's it's exciting
4: well
2: i'll tell you what i really appreciate you sitting down and uh we this is our second take. We'll just we'll just <laughs> say that we had some technical difficulties and things last night. But uh, I appreciate you sitting down again with us today, Lauren. It's, it's been crazy good. and hectic around here. It would have been great to have Steve sit in with us, but um, he's
3: he's a popular guy.
2: He's like okay, so he's he's like walking through the NBA history museum with Larry Bird. You know, everybody knows him. Everybody wants to talk to him. Everybody wants your picture taken with him. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's he's about 15 feet from us right now, just surrounded.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Tanya Rabb waving at Tanya over there. He's talking to her right now. So. Uh,
3: no, I'm 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 happy we met and we got talking. I'm too, Lauren. I'm glad.
2: We'll we'll stay in touch, and uh, maybe I'll be up in Wisconsin this year for the. WBHA. Yeah, Wisconsin convention. Bear Hunters Convention. Mm-hmm. I hear great. it's a rip-roaring
3: time. Have you been? No, not yet. You never have, so we'll no. be rookies
2: there together. Yeah. So you always you always find yourself a rookie sometimes. So don't let the don't let that bother you. I mean, we're all going to be there, and we're all going to work through this thing. So
3: <laughs> something we got to work through. That's definitely. right. Yep. All right. Life, appreciate life it. is a
2: journey. Lauren, we've got a tradition here on this podcast where we close it out the same way every time. Tonight they're gonna draw these dogs out. We're all gonna go out here and we're all gonna turn these dogs loose no matter what happens. You follow your hounds and I'll follow mine.